Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zainashef and John Plisse. Happy New Year! Oh. <laughs> You're a good dancer. <laughs> Tell you what, that stripper pole really, uh. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Don't, don't, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> don't be, don't be, don't be queering my moves, yeah, man. No, no, that was. You've done that before, haven't you? <laughs> That's awesome. Your wife's uh, gonna love you. Yeah, I think she does. Yeah, she does. Funny, funny dad. <laughs> no, uh, you know, this, this show, uh, it's like live right now in like the middle of December, but it's going to, uh, air in the archives December 31st. Right. New Year's Eve. Nice. So all yeah. you people who have nowhere else to go, you can be there. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I don't, I don't go out on uh, New Year's Eve. I mean, yeah, that, that's like suicidal nowadays. Oh yeah. It's just Stay drinking. home with a wife. Yeah. You know, drink your homebrew. Drink homebrew. Hope, hope for a happy celebration after <laughs> for, hours. For, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I always tell my wife, yeah, I, I, I want to end the new year with a bang. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, okay. Oh, gosh. Awesome. John. That's, that's just rude. It's not that's rude. just rude. It's not rude. Please, John. Oh, my, my apologies. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Such that, you know, you can always tell which is the second show of the night. Yeah. But at least it's appropriate because all the drinking that goes on and then, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, it's all in the, it's all in the toilet now. Well, if they're listening on New Year's Eve, then it'll make, it'll make perfect sense. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> Everyone else Everyone's drinking. Pretty much along the same lines as right. we are at this point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Hmm. Yeah. Give you me. know, um, no, no, go ahead. Nothing. <laughs> Mumbling. <laughs> it must be the beer, the Kolsch. It must be the beer. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, if you're listening to this, yes. it's if. put on by the Brewing Network, right? Yes. The Brewing Network, which you're getting all this for free. And uh, one of the uh, things you can do to help support uh, programming like this, mm-hmm. go to the Brewing Network store, Brewing Network, thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. And uh, they've got a bunch of stuff there for sale, you know, hoodies, hats, shirts, books, and and AHA memberships. Yes. All right. So 
Uh, you can buy brewing classic styles, uh, 80 winning recipes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is a great book and, uh, eventually buy one. But if you're, buy something today, buy an AHA membership. Right. AHA membership, 38 bucks. Comes to you, that includes shipping. And, you know, same price you pay, you know, going to the AHA site. But what happens here is a small portion goes to the brewing network, keeps Justin, uh, fed, which in, is important, uh, in, uh, yeah, uh, adult diapers and, uh, ramen. Right. And, uh, you know, you're going to get a great, uh, magazine designology. You're going to get your pub discount program. You're going to get, uh, all the AHA events. You're going to get discounts on the national homebrew competition, a lot of different things. And, uh, you're going to support a great cause, which is homebrewing in the uh, United States and actually in the world. They fight for homebrewers' rights and craft brewers' rights, and uh, important thing to support. Oh yeah, so it's free. Yeah. If if, yeah. if you if you can afford it, it's like a batch batch and half a beer. Uh, you know, uh, dedicate that towards uh, doing that. I think right. it's a, a really important thing to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I didn't mention our sponsor, which is uh, Northern Brewer. There you go. Another great. Uh, uh, cause to support. Mm-hmm. They uh, help support this this program. Highly knowledgeable staff. Yeah, knowledgeable staff. Great products. Great prices. Good people. Uh, great you know, meat makers. I mean, you can't uh, can't go wrong there. Uh, you know, support uh, northernbrewer.com. And with your leftover two dollars, make a donation. There and you go. There you go. That's you have forty dollars. Forty. Forty. Drink a forty. Get donate to the two dollars to make a donation. There you Mister Forty. Yeah, and that's coming from Fitty G, so you got like another 10. Damn. (laughs) I'll make one now. I'll make a donation. All right. There you go. So tonight we're talking about uh, Belgian Golden Golden Strong Strong Ale. Nice. Almost sounded like Flemish, kind of. (laughs) Belgian. Sounded like I wasn't speaking English. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I love Belgians. I mean, they're just such unique beers and... Oh, I how they you're change. talking about the people. Oh, <laughs> the people. I was like, okay. I wonder where John's going with this. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the beer. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. They're just really, they're just so over the top, unique, and this is what the yeast do to the beers. Absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. To the word, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the people are really nice too, if you go to Belgium. You know. I'm hoping uh, to go there. Yeah. Just, just. Yeah, you go anywhere in the world. People are nice. Yeah, you know if you're if you're nice. If you're, yeah, if you're not a jerk, you know people are nice at the world over. Right. Uh, and actually, uh, you know the recipe uh, that we're going to do tonight. Mm. The genesis of this, and it's not in the book. And usually, I was able to mention the genesis of. of uh, all my recipes along this lines. And I had messed around with uh, Golden Strong before, mm-hmm. but I was down at uh, my good friend Harold Gabranson's house, and he was brewing one day, and this guy, Dave Livonian, he comes in, and he's brought in this, uh, you know, Belgian uh, strong ale, kind of like a Duvel, mm-hmm. that he has, uh, you know, he he's talked to the brewer, he's, you know, this he's like made this his, you know, quest to, to absolutely... You know, duplicate Nail this it. beer. Yeah. And he's got this huge sheet, you know, written up of details of what the brewery does, huh. all the little details, what he did. He's got the differences highlighted in red ink of what was different between his batch and the batch that the brewery would do. And he's shown this to the brewer. 
<laughs> wow. And, uh, you know, the, the guy gave him some hints and some, some tips and, uh, and, 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 and Dave's just you know, the most wonderful guy. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. Just, uh, a kind, easy going, nice. you know, not, you know, just, just, just a wonderful person. And, uh, he pours some of this for me and it's the closest clone of Devel I've ever had. Wow. I thought it was really good. He, he wasn't happy with it because it was like a little bit sweeter. You think it was dry. Know? I was just like, oh, you know, this is really, this is like the best thing I've ever had. Yeah. He's like, well, yeah, thanks, thanks. And I said, uh, you know, can I get a copy of that information from me? He's like, yeah, here. Just hands it to me. Oh, cool. And so, uh, you know, that helped me tweak my recipe as well. Right. So I made, uh, you know, I don't follow all the little paths that he went down right. to, to do it. But, uh, you know, it's really inspired a lot by Dave Lamonian. <laughs> and uh, it was really cool of him. Again, the great brewers will share their information freely. Oh, yeah. You know, they... Here you, you know, go. They they know what they you know. It's it's not, not the they're not yeah they're not going to have one recipe mm-hmm. that is successful for them. Yeah. They're going to have so many and they can create new things sure. that'll be successful. Right. They don't have to worry about you know you copying one of the things they did in the past. You know, yeah. I mean, look at uh, you know Vinnie Chalusa from Russian River. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, the way his recipe. Oh yeah. Like okay, here you go. Here you know, yeah. planting the elder clone. Everybody's yeah. ruined. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know. Well, not and, anymore, uh, but yeah. Right. But yeah. You know, he's so free with that information. It's right. really wonderful because why? While, you know, okay, you know, if, if for some reason, you know, everybody starts brewing it, he'll go ahead and brew something else and, and he'll, he'll do it better than anybody else can do sure. it based off of the, the exact information that right. he has. He'll give you every bit of information and then. It's the brewer. You're, yeah, it's the brewer. It's, you know, it's, it's that attention to quality that a place like Russian River has that, uh, makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, Vinny gave a great talk at NCHF this year and gave away all the secrets about how he uses wild yeast. You know, and I, every time I hear him talk, I always pick up something like, oh, I understand a little bit more. Yeah. I'll still never understand what he knows, but it's just amazing what you can learn from other brewers and how giving they are and, it's just a really humble community too, as a whole. So, mm-hmm. you know, but again, you know, they're successful. Why are they successful? You know, the quality of their operation. And sure, it's not uh, you know being secretive about uh, anything. Mm-hmm. And you see all these other, you know, that's what drives me nuts when when brewers are real secretive about something. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> give me a so break. <laughs> that must be the only thing you really know because yeah, that's <laughs> don't want to give it up because you don't want to give it up. It's like, all right, well, that's fine, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, good luck to you. Yeah, we should all be sharing information as much as possible. So yeah. Good for everybody. Yeah. That's how we all move forward. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's good karma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, you got a description for us for for Gold Strong Ale? Oh, yes, I do. Are you ready for it? <laughs> yeah, why don't you go ahead and share hear my this? Belgian Gold Strong <laughs> description? Give it to me, John. Here we go. All right, this beer is so unique. Uh, the smell of this, but the aromas, um, there's definitely going to be esters present. Uh, uh-huh. Belgians are highly fruit ester produ- producers. Um, and even some hints of spice, and I, I relate to it as a pepper. Um, maybe some perfume alcohol coming through, but it should be balanced with the esters um, just because it's a high-alcohol beer. Um, no hop aromas, if so little, from the noble hops used. Uh, visually, it's... Yellow, I would say pale yellow if you're doing Duval, um, to medium gold, and that might be based on changed by the gravity, of course. Uh, clear, very clear, high high carbonation. I think is a key too for the style. You want that clean, frothy head. Um, just 
when you drink it, it should just be soft on the lips, and it's definitely warming after you drink it. Um, and you, after you drink a few sips, you should definitely see some legs from the alcohol because it's definitely a pody beer. Um, overall, the flavor is definitely a synergy between um, the fruit esters, the spiciness, the phenols, um, the hot alcohols, um, with a round soft malt character, which I think is really important, is that soft malt character and a dry finish. Um, and the esters would be hints of like pears, apples, mm-hmm. um, and some, you know, pepper from the phenols. Um, bitterness comes from usually the high CO2. You're not doing a high bittered hop. You're doing a high carbonated hop or a beer, I should say, from the high CO2. You're probably at two and a half to three volumes. And um, overall, it's a high-gravity Belgian beer, pale in color, and very intense in flavor, and it's definitely an enjoyable all-around just Belgian strong ale. Mm-hmm. Good, good beer to share with your friends, and probably you only need about two pints of it to feel the buzz, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you know the uh, ABV on this runs, uh, you know, between 7.5 and uh, 10.5. Um, That's big. Yeah, it's a, it's a fairly big beer, and... The, uh, you know, you, you mentioned malty in there and the soft maltiness. Mm-hmm. And the thing I want to emphasize, uh, to the listeners is that, uh, it, 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 it has that soft, uh, malty pilsner malt background, but it shouldn't be a highly malty sweet beer and it shouldn't be one with a high malt, uh, character like, you know, bready, anything like that. Okay. It's again, it's soft, it's in the background, mm-hmm. but, uh, it is malty in that way, that character, but, um, uh, you know, relatively subtle compared to something like a, an Oktoberfest right. or a Munich Hellas or something like that where that's, you know, or a Doppelbach even, you know, it's completely almost the, the opposite end. And I would emphasize as the most important characteristic is that crisp dry finish. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, you it's know, hard to do. really, yeah, that's hard to do and that's really, uh, critical in all these beers. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is you can have that sweet, note when you first drink it and then it 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 finishes dry and crisp and uh you know all that fades away and you're ready for the next sip which right. which is part of what makes it uh extra drinkable yeah well it's like it's such a dry beer and there's so much going on mm-hmm. that when you have that first sip you're like oh and then you go and then you want that second one and that third mm-hmm. one because you're like i can't believe i'm drinking well, then this. The, like the effervescence helps yeah. clean, cleanse the palate as right. well and uh yeah makes makes uh makes for a, a quite a, a drinkable beer and uh you know um you know quite deadly with with as much alcohol as yeah. it has as well yeah after all right so what we're going to do we're going to take a break and when we come back uh we will um go over the recipe to make a award-winning belgian strong golden ale Coming this fall. Four beer kits and a bag of sanitizer. That will be $4,000 for shipping. Never. I will pay more than 20 bucks for shipping. Ha, ha, ha. You will not find a deal like that now. Northern Brewers' flat rate shipping promotion is finished. No. I'll never pay that much. Never. My patience wears thin, young home brewer. You must pay too much for shipping. <laughs> 
Never fear, Northern Brewer's here. Foolish Northern Brewer, your flat rate shipping promotion has ended. No, sir. Now we got $7.99 flat rate shipping all the time over here. Ah. Northern Brewer has all of your home brewing, wine, mead, cider, and soda making needs. And a complete line of award-winning beer kits, including the intergalactically boozy Bourbon Barrel Porter. Still with cheap-ass shipping. Place an order at northernbrewer.com and get some flat rate $7.99 shipping action. Offer good and contiguous U.S. only. Some heavy and or bulky items are excluded, such as glass bottles, sacks of grain, bulky meat, and oak barrels. Take that, guy. $7.99, flat rate shipping. Ah, my retina! Retina? Damn near killed ya. Did you know that every day a brewcaster goes to bed hungry? Did you know that that brewcaster is silently calling for the help of people just like you? Do you know that every day the unicorn and the rainbow have to blow sailors for loose change? For less than the cost of a half-calf, quad-shot, venti, extra-hot, soy milk, triple-pump, hazel, low-fat foam, double-cupped macchiato a day, you can help starving adults in Pacheco. Your love can be felt for as little as seven cents a day. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate to sign up today for as little as $2 a month. Private first class in the BN Army. Buy your way up the ranks as corporal, sergeant, ranger, or colonel with an easy-to-do monthly donation that keeps brewcasters alive and your favorite internet radio station broadcasting. No donation is too small to help those in need. Can't you find it in your heart to share your love with a brewcaster? In return, you will enjoy the wealth of knowledge that comes with every episode of the session. The Jamil Show and Yes even that other show. Thank you for listening, and please sign up for your donation at thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate today. White Labs is a leader in pure yeast and fermentation services, serving the beer, wine, and distilling industries from worldwide producers for more than a decade. White Labs has three all-new vials for you to pitch this year, home brewers, so fire up your kettles, fill up your fermenters, and get ready for Cry Havoc, the signature yeast strain from Charlie Papazian. This yeast can ferment both ales and lagers and is great for bottle conditioning, too. Second, a cream ale blend of ale and lager yeast strains. This blend creates a clean, crisp, light American lager-style ale. Last, a Belgian-style Saison ale yeast blend. This blend melds Belgian-style ale yeast and Saison strains to create complex, fruity aromas and flavors. Get complete fermentation quickly with this blend's spicy, earthy, and clove-like flavors. White Labs, your brewing partner for great yeast. These new strains are available now for home brewers, breweries, and homebrew shops everywhere. White Labs, it's all in the vial. Now, back to the Jameel Show. Alright, so we're talking about Belgian Golden Strong Ale. And I got a recipe here that uh, has won a few awards. Did you win at the Nationals with this recipe last uh, year? I'm not sure if it was last year or the year before. I don't know. It's been so many years. I mean, it's so hard to remember, you know. I just got that massive awards hanging around. Yeah. yeah. You can see I'm wearing them here in the studio. Nice. Uh, let's see. Original gravity, 1072. 17.5 Play-Doh. Final gravity, 1007. Or 1.9 Play-Doh. Nice. Dry. Dry as a bone. Atten- uh, apparent degree of uh, fermentation, 89%. So this is going to attenuate. Wow. 89%. Dry, 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 dry. So are you, I mean, I'm maybe getting ahead, but are you using like sh- other sugars? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. You use a big, big old load of table sugar. Okay. I've used thirty-two. 
Wow, that's, that's pretty fair amount of bittering. It's it's a fairly bitter beer. Huh. See what happens is, if you get examples over here in the U.S. or you know somewhere where the examples have been around a long time, mm-hmm. bittering drops like in half over the course of six months. Right. So we tend to, to get them a lot sweeter. If you get them fairly uh, early in the process, they tend to be a bit more bitter. Okay. Up so, front. Uh, right. Yeah. Right, so, right. so um, you know, you, you let something store. If you store something for a couple of years, it turns sweeter, you know, because the bitterness drops out. Right. That's funny know, how that works. And, and the malt's oxidized and things like that. Hmm. It tends to taste sweeter. Uh, IBS 32, color 3 SRM. And your alcohol is going to be about 8.5% ABV. Wow, that's a lower SRM. Yeah, it's, it's a real light one color. Water. You know, it's, uh, you know, like you're saying, kind of yellow. Like straw. Uh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. uh-huh. And uh, if you're an extract brewer, you'll go with uh, 8.4 pounds or 3.8 kilograms of a Pilsner uh, liquid malt extract. And then the rest is going to be cane sugar, three pounds or one point three six kilograms of cane sugar. That's table sugar. Okay. You can use beet sugar. Uh, you know, when I go to the grocery store and I see C and H, that's cane sugar. Right. Okay. And then when you see the bags that say sugar on them, right. And you turn them around and look at where it'll say beet sugar on them. Okay. The the cheaper things. Now the sugar that they use in Belgium tends to be beet sugar. Okay. So you can go ahead and use use the uh, beet. beet sugar. Yeah, and what's interesting in the book I used I said the word cane sugar and and now I think I should explain that uh it's actually a little more authentic to use beet sugar. Okay. In any case, you can use either. It's it's simple sugars, they're going to ferment fully and there's real no really no flavor difference. I mean there may be a subtle flavor difference between a tablespoon of uh cane sugar and a tablespoon of beet sugar in your mouth, but uh, you know, you use either one. And what that's going to help do is dry the thing out. It's so easily fermentable for, right. for the yeast. Uh, that's why you're going to, you're going to add a lot of that. Does that encourage, um, the yeast to absorb other sugars too from the malt, from the wort at all? When you put simple sugars into the environment, does it help them kind of dry out the whole? Well, yeah, uh, actually it kind of works in the reverse. You gotta be kind of careful. Okay. This is this is why you don't uh, do uh, starters using table sugar or honey or molasses or any of that stuff. Okay. Because if you use a simple sugar as the food, sole food for a yeast, it very quickly, as it multiplies, loses the ability to ferment maltose. Huh. It needs to create uh, you know, an enzyme in order to. Uh, uh, you know, uh, convert and, and, uh, use maltose, break apart maltose. Wow. So it's actually not working as full as potential. Right. It'll, it's just like, well, I don't need <laughs> to do that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's like kids. It's like, well, if you don't tell them, you know, you don't beat them when they don't clean the room. Right. Then, you know, they pretty soon stop cleaning the room. Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I do not beat my kids. I can see you do that. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's a good point. You know, yeah, it's a, good, uh, it's a good analogy. So um, uh, you need to be a little bit careful that uh, you know you don't go too nuts with the the simple sugars, and then they don't fully attenuate either, because that yeah. can happen. You know, because their initial their initial take is 
oh, you know, the simpler sugars go first. Right. And they're going to, you know, focus just on those. Okay. So the replication will change then, too. Right. Especially, you know, if, if you're the yeast growth under, you know, just simple sugar conditions. They, again, they, they lose the ability to ferment maltose within, a, like, a generation or two. Wow. That's a great tip. Yeah. Thanks so, for sharing. again, you never, you yeah. never use simple sugars for, for starters. Uh, all right. Hops, you're going to use, or I'm sorry, if you're all grain brewer, uh, you're going to, instead of the Pilsner extract, you're going to use 11 pounds or 5 kilograms of uh, continental Pilsner malt. If you can get a Belgian Pilsner malt, that's better. that's ideal, but right. uh, German Pilsner malt is, is good, too. Uh, your last choice would be like a, a U.S. Uh, Pilsner malt. Mash at 149 degrees Fahrenheit or 65 degrees C. And, uh, you know, since you got that lower mash temperature, you know, give it some time to convert fully. Right. Uh, it takes a little bit longer. You can go, um, you know, I tried this one thing where, uh, in, uh, Brew Like a Monk, they were talking about how, uh, Stan Hieronymus's book, ex- book, excellent book, oh, yeah. uh, Brew Like a Monk, you should get yourself a copy. Um, you know, um, how the, the breweries would start at like a protein rest and they would raise it, uh, uh, you know, two degrees every minute or something like that. Okay. Up to, you know, through the 140s and this would make it more fermentable. I've tried that and it really didn't do anything more for me than just going at Single. a, uh, yeah, you know, 149, 148, 147, whatever it takes right. for you to get a wort that will ferment fully down to, Dryness. uh, you know, the dry point that you want to get to. Hmm. For hops, uh, I like to use a Czech Zots. And uh, at 3.5% alpha acid, 90-minute uh, addition, right at the very beginning of the boil. It's going to be a 90-minute boil because you're using Pilsner malt. Yeah, DMS. And you need to, yeah, you need to boil that sucker for 90 minutes. I use two and a quarter ounce or 64 grams. It should give you about 32 IBUs using the Rager formula. Okay. And uh, you can use, uh, you know, Lublin or uh, Halitar or, you know, Vanguard these days. You can use a lot of different yeah. hops for that. Uh, Sterling, but, uh, maybe. Yeah, you know, anything um, continental. You could even get away with Kent Goldings or whatever. But, again, you got 32 IBU, so I'd try and, uh, uh, you know, if you're going with a lower alpha hop, I would go with something along the saws or something, uh, you know, the Halitar, something with a little spiciness that's uh, noble. Mm-hmm. I'd go with the noble hop. If you're going with... Uh, uh, you know, something with a little more, that's not along those lines that go something higher alpha acid, so you put less amount of hops in there. Right. So you're not, uh, getting too much of the hop flavor through. Okay. But, uh, check sots at 3.5% alpha acid. You're putting, uh, two and a quarter ounces in a six gallon batch or five gallon batch, uh, you know, 64 grams. That's considerable amount of hops, so you get some of that flavor through. Sure. And, uh, uh, I, I forgot to mention, alright, so, uh, the way these batches are calculated, 70% efficiency for, for all grain. Okay. And um, six gallons at the end of the boil, you chill it down. Uh, you you know, and, uh, you know, half gallon. F- five and a half gallons go to uh, go to the fermenter, and right. then out of that, you get five gallons in the in the keg or the bottles. Right. Hmm. Um, question for you. Uh, y- your recipe, you had a pretty low starting gravity, like 1070... Six was it? Ten seventy two. Now, if I was to do a ten ninety two, like I'm thinking, uh-huh. oh my god, it's a high alcohol beer. I got to go big, but it probably won't attenuate out to right. dryness, right? Which you don't want, right? So and now, how important at, is that though? Well, you know, if you're trying to clone Duvel, 
you like my to friend know. Dave Livoni, mm-hmm. then the starting gravity is about 1072. Wow. Okay. That's pretty and, important then. And, yeah. And everybody thinks, oh, you know, it's, you know, big, high alcohol, mm-hmm. all this. But, uh, you know, it is, but it finishes really dry. And that's mm-hmm. the trick. If you go up into 1092, it's not going to finish as dry. Hmm. Or you're going to have a, a harder time getting it that dry. It'd probably be too hot if you got it down right, there. Right, right, right. Okay. So that's one of the reasons to not go too high and attenuate it more. Right. And, okay. you know, you can produce, you know, alcohol a variety of ways. Sure. It's all based on the attenuation, you know. Huh. So, uh, you know, but that's, that's an excellent point because I think a lot of people start much higher. Right. Just because they uh, think they have to get that right gravity up, but you can right. do it with dryness. Right. Yeah. yeah, by attenuating more. Go dry. Right. Right. What do, I mean, do you think extract brewers have that same control? Um, because they don't, I mean, with extract, I don't think you have as much control over the malt of the beer. I mean, I don't know what our suppliers mash at, but I'm just curious. Do you think an extract really can get a dry? Well, here's the thing. They, they, they tend to hit a kind of a mid, mid ground, right? Okay. And, uh, they tend to, you know, make an average word that's average fermentability. Um, some of the more fermentable ones, uh, come from Brees. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that, you know, you can get those things to attenuate up to like 80% or so. Okay. And, uh, great. And here's here's the trick, is uh, you're adding uh, a large percentage of simple sugar, right? And that's going to help with attenuation. If that doesn't do it, you can always um, either change extracts to a more uh, fermentable extract, or you can add you know a larger percentage of sugars. Or with extract, here's the trick. I'm listening. Let me just take a sip here. Go ahead. I see you've, you've braced yourself. I'm ready. You know you're going to be. You know you're going to be blown away by I, this one. Uh, yeah. Every time I learn something new, because you because you know when I get the tone of my voice, and your eyes kind of get, I'm get focused, focused, get a little squinty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here it is. All right. So here's here's the thing. What you can do if you're using extract and you need to change the fermentability of the extract, and you can't do it with simple sugars alone. You make a mini mash using your extract. You mix your extract in water. Take yourself a pound of domestic uh, American two-row or six-row if you really want a lot of enzymes. And do yourself a mini mash with that. With the extract. With the extract. Look at you. The enzymes in the malt will continue to break down the sugars in the extract. Wow. And that's at your 146 Fahrenheit. Okay. Yes. No way. So you're giving you, away all your secrets. Today. You can you can actually break down the uh, continue to mash the, the extract and make the extract more fermentable. Wow! You can't change the extract to be less fermentable, but you that, can that break can't it happen. Down. But you can make it more fermentable this That's way. Awesome. Okay, so you can do a little, your own little mini mash there and convert your your extract down, and that's easy to do. Yeah, twenty four by twenty four bag, yeah. and yeah, just uh, what, you know, two add three pounds. Pound. Uh, pounds. It, it just depends. You know, the the less mulchy, the enzymes don't get used up. Uh huh. It just takes longer. Okay. So, and especially if you swirl it around in the extract, you, you know, you just need to, you know, move move it all around through there. Interesting. And uh, it will it will go ahead and uh, convert those sugars down for you. There you go. Pretty slick. Huh? Yeah. You just, whew. 
That's a doozy. <laughs> See, that was a good one. That huh? was a good one. Wow, right. I actually asked a good question. Yeah, and you know, another way you could do it, you could get like Beano and put a drop of Beano into your extract, and it'll it'll go, go. ahead and, and start to break it down pretty quick. Have you ever had a Beano beer? Before? Uh, yes. Oh I have. my god. Yeah. It was like ten oh two. It finished that. Well, I had. here's the trick. All right, here's Uh-oh. the trick with the Beano. All right, if you're gonna use Beano in your mash, or you're gonna use Beano in your extract. Okay. Uh, you, you don't want to use it, uh, post boil. You want to use it pre boil. Okay. Okay. And at some point you heat it up, start to boil it, it'll denature the enzymes and the beano will stop. Oh. Okay. Okay. So you just, it's tricky. The amount of enzyme you add, this beano enzyme you add, and the amount of time you give it to work and the temperature you give it to work is all going to affect how fast it works and how much it breaks things down. Interesting. So, so would you start at the end of the mash? You no, know, I haven't done a lot of experimentation <laughs> on it. Yeah, I'd, I'd do it towards the end. Okay. Uh, but I, instead, I'd, I think I'd just use it right in the kettle. Okay. Right up front, right when you're sparging or whatever. And right. Just right. throw it in. Or, you know, extract brewer. Right. Mix your extract in there, uh, add your beano, and, uh, you know, the, the first right. time, try maybe a half an hour or an hour. And, uh, you know, at whatever temperature and then, you know, fire it up to boil and kill it. Wow. So it stops. Interesting. And then, uh, you know, the next time see if that was enough or not for, based on the extract you're using. I mean, there's so many variables in yeah. there. I can't, can't give exacts, but, uh, you know, that's another way to do it. Wow. And that's probably easier than the mini mash because being so cheap and easy. Yeah. You know, you get the liquid and just put a drop Boring. in or two. That's it. Yep. Pretty little. Wow. Pretty cool, huh? Oh my God. My brain, yeah. my brain hurts. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to get into the yeast and the fermentation and, uh, you know, the uh, carbonation and all that. We'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Freccia and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from John. Park. Uh, Jamil John Palmer book, Brewing Classic Styles. If you've been waiting to get your autographed copy, that's it. They're out. They're gone. Did you miss your chance for a signed copy of Brewing Classic Styles? Well, this holiday season, the Homebrew Book of the Year meets the Homebrew Book of the Decade. And they're both signed. That's right. Brewing Classic Styles by Jamil Zanishev and John Palmer and How to Brew by John Palmer are available for a very limited time this Christmas in the Brewing Network store. How to Brew is the book for first-time brewers and brewing veterans alike. Brewing Classic Styles is your recipe roadmap to a award-winning beer with specifics on every beer style in the BJCP guidelines. This limited package is now the only way to buy a signed copy of these legendary home-brewing Bibles. Get your package before this offer runs out only at the Brewing Network store, your home-brewing home for the holidays. 
Did you know that you can not only order from More Beer online at morebeer.com and receive free shipping on most orders over $59, but you can also shop in person at their two retail locations located in Concord and Riverside, California. In fact, the Concord facility has grown to over 15,000 square feet to fit all the new products, expanded showroom, and new knowledge center classroom. And now, in conjunction with the Brewing Network, More Beer is making it easier than ever to keep up on what's happening. Download the More Beer monthly podcast by clicking podcast at morebeer.com. You'll learn about More Beer's history, sales and discounts on More Beer products, get to know team members, and hear ways to save you money. They're also launching a brand new website soon with more features and a better online shopping experience. So go to morebeer.com or call 800-600-0033. That's 800-600-0033. You're listening to the Brewing Network. This is the Jameel Show. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. There you go. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. Aren't we having fun in this studio? We are. <laughs> uh, must have something to do with beer. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, what could be better if we're talking about beer? Uh, yeah, drinking beer. Drinking beer and talking beer. Yeah, there you go. As long as you got both. Yeah. All right, so we're talking Belgian uh, Golden Strong Ale. And the yeast that you need to use for this is going to be the um, uh, either the White Labs WLP 570 Belgian Golden Ale or the Y-Yeast 1388 Belgian Strong Ale. And you have to use this yeast. If you're, if you're trying to do a Duval clone and sure. you get those pair notes, hmm. you have to use these, these yeasts. Okay. There's, you I mean, know, you can you can go ahead and use others, and there's there's you know a lot of dif- different yeasts that you can use. You want something that's going to attenuate a little bit more. Um, you know, the WLP 550 and the the yeast equivalent of that is you know, is fine and, right. and does a pretty good job. But uh, again, if you're really trying to get this thing nailed down, it's the 570 or the uh, 1388. If you're dry ale, uh, dry yeast user, um, you can try the Saft Brew T58. Mm-hmm. Um, Get you somewhere there, but yeah, I think I think it's so. worth you know taking your time to either get the the uh, appropriate yeast for it, uh, you know, at, at whatever cost, growing it up yourself from you know bottle or uh, you know ordering it at at high prices uh, mm-hmm. and having it shipped from the U.S. or you know whatever whatever the reason is, um, you know, to try and na- nail that down because it makes a huge difference in this beer. You would use uh, uh, three liquid yeast packages, or you make yourself a, a starter, appropriate starter for that. Uh, pitch your yeast at 64 degrees Fahrenheit or 18 degrees C, and then you're going to let the temperature ramp up slowly to about 82 degrees Fahrenheit or 28 degrees C over the course of about a week. Right. Okay. Just let it slowly ramp right. up. To where? Uh, 82, 28C. 82 degrees. 82 Fahrenheit. Over seven days. Yeah. Wow. Right. So you're starting out at 64 Fahrenheit or 18 C. Okay. And what the purpose is, is, you know, during the initial, uh, you know, replication phase and that initial uh, growth phase, you're trying to uh, hold that temperature down. And, and what's going to happen is you're going to, uh, 
you know, this is going to help keep your alcohols in a in a moderate state. You don't want to just blast away at 82 degrees from from the get go. Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen is you're going to end up with a real solventy alcohol. It's going to mm-hmm. be like nail polish uh, remover and things like that. Right. So you want to start at the lower temperature and let it ramp up towards the end. And the high temperature at the end just helps uh, attenuation, keeps the yeast active all the way to the end and, and helps them dry out this beer. Again, you want this thing to finish just bone dry. Bone dry. And, uh, you know, the, the, the most common flaw with these uh, seen in competition is that they're way too sweet. sweet yeah. But they're just fermenting properly. Improperly, obviously. Right. Yeah. Because right, right. anybody can add ingredients and do a mash, but if right. you don't do that fermentation regime, you're probably mm-hmm. not going to hit it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. And then do you lower it back down after 82, after a week? Because you don't want it to be hot on the yeast? Uh, well, I keep it about 82 as long as I see some sort of activity, and then I give it like another day or so, and then I go ahead and just crash chill it. Really? You're done seven days? Uh, Ten days. Ten days. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, if it's, if it's still going, let it go. Right. Uh, but if it's, uh, once it stops, uh, activity, then, you know, one of the things you do is, uh, take a, uh, gravity reading. If it isn't down below the double digits, if it's, you know, 1010 or higher, uh, you might want to, um, make yourself a pitch of, uh, like a Cal Ale yeast or, uh, lager yeast or anything that uh, will attenuate well. Something clean and neutral. Yeah. But. Uh, make a starter, active starter. It has to be in the middle of, you know, fermenting. It okay. has to be like high croissant, not, not past that. Right. And you add that, that whole starter okay. to, to your beer while it's at the peak of activity. Okay. You can't just add yeast to the beer. The conditions won't let it go. Sure. You'll get nothing. You're just adding yeast to your beer and it goes to sleep. fall to the bottom and <laughs> do nothing. Right. Sure. It has to be already active and you hope, you know, it'll drag it down another couple of points, but that's about it. Okay. If you don't get close, uh, you know, if you're at 10, 20, 10, 30, forget it. Yeah. You know, it's not going to get down there. You can add champagne yeast, but again, it's the same thing. You yeah. have to make it active. You have to make it fermenting. Then add it, and, and you, hopefully it'll pull it down. That's fine too. But again, you, you know, it's really difficult if you're stuck up there. Yeah, you, know, you need to pitch the appropriate amount of yeast to start with, oxygenate, right temperature, right, and that'll help pull this thing. You know, where it has to be proper fermentability, right. All those things have to come together to get this thing uh, down there. It's a good tip. Really good tip. So, <laughs> you know, kind of tricky on that. Yeah. So when it's finished, you're going to carbonate this beer to about four volumes. Whew. All right. So really, really high carbonated. and uh, <sighs> That's super carbonated. Yeah, yeah. You know, your typical American pale ale is, uh, you know, two and a half volumes. Yeah. So this is almost double that. Real spritzy. Yeah. Well, and, when you uh, pour a Duval, it's just like this yeah, like big yeah. white frothy, right. like a cotton ball. Sh- and and yeah. champagne-like uh, yeah, in a go. lot of ways. Right. And uh, you can, I don't really don't think you can store four volumes in standard beer bottles. They tend to burst. Okay. Um, you know, some <laughs> of the thicker do. beer bottles can handle it, but some of the thinner ones really can't. Mm. Uh, you got to be kind of careful. Uh, what you want to use is those, uh, 750 mil champagne bottles or even the, the smaller champagne, the ones with the punt in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're thick enough to handle four volumes easily. Right. And, uh, and it's a nice way to present the beer too. Sure. But, uh, yeah, if you don't do that, it really doesn't hold the pressure. If you're kegging, 
piece of cake. You know, the yeah. keg's a whole four volume, still a whole, yeah, no you know, far more than that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not a big deal. I think it's like 100 PSI or something before it yeah. blows. Well, yeah, I think the rated 125. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Staying clear of the pressure relief valve. Which is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. open your valve, your, your faucet, and beer goes shooting across your room. <laughs> Uh what else do we need to cover? Well, you had mentioned that you know you don't want to start it hot, you know, because uh-huh. that'd be solventy, right? And yeah. we were talking earlier, like alcohols can give a flavor. And we talking about this yes, in the guidelines, yes. uh-huh, uh-huh. and I mean, what are you tasting as far as an alcohol flavor? Right. I mean, they say it's spicy. Well, that yeah, there's there's some spices. The, the the big trick in all the Belgian beers is the the alcohol should never be harsh. Or hot, okay. Uh, you know, with with enough alcohols or hot, uh, certain alcohols and uh, you know fermented hot, they can have a, a real bitter effect. There's an alcohol bitterness or bite that uh-huh. can come from certain alcohols. So what you want to again, you know, this this starting cooler and ramping up will give you a, a more uh, a softer alcohol note. It'll be warming. What you want the beer to be, you take your drink, you don't really notice the alcohol. You feel it, and you get this warming, and then you go, oh, you know, yeah, this got quite a bit of alcohol. That's the ideal, and okay. that's what you're shooting for. Now, in this beer, there's not a lot to hide behind. It's got quite a bit of alcohol, so yes, you're going to get some spicy notes from the the alcohol. Okay. It's kind of like the precursor to become, it, the alcohol is becoming bitter. Right. It's um, you know, it's going to provide uh, you know certain uh, esters and florals and you know different different characters that uh, you know add add a lot to the beer as well. Okay. So that's that's a big part of the alcohols as well. Hmm. Well, what about um, phenolics too? Mm-hmm. I mean, what are phenolics and I mean, I, whenever you see like Belgian guys drinking their Belgian, they say right. it's kind of it's big in the phenolics in the nose. Or what? Mm-hmm. What are you exactly? What is that? Well, a lot of the phenols yeah. uh, can can be uh, things like uh, you know clove, smoke, um, and that's medicinal, used- plasticky. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, mainly in these beers, yeast derived, but mm-hmm. there's also phenols from other other things. Uh, as well, and we'll but keep, for these are it's mainly just a, a, a yeast and fermentation thing. Now, can oxidized alcohols be phenols? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay, just throwing it out there. So right. interesting. So uh, yeah, you know, some phenolic uh, character is is uh, actually uh, you know good for this beer, but uh, again, you don't want any of these things to be you know completely overboard. Sure. I think you know a lot of times in home brewing we tend to. Oh, you know, do, do do a little bit too much. You know, we read this in the guidelines, and then, you know, people go crazy, and they do a little bit more, and they do a bit more, and yeah. then it's, you know, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, another question was your buddy that you got that recipe from, mm-hmm. he talked about step mashing. Right, right. And I'm curious if if you do step mash, and I've been doing that lately on a few batches, and I've noticed that the wort flavor, mm-hmm. there's more of a... Um, it's like a sweeter, more rich malt wort flavor that I'm getting. And I don't know if that would contribute to step mashing as you're slowly cooking those sugars and you're raising them up 30 degrees over the course of an hour, you're step mashing. Hmm. Do you think that affects the maltiness and the malt profile like a strong golden ale at all? Or uh, You know, it might have some subtle differences. But uh, I, mean, I that, tend to think not. Because I'm just wondering, is applying heat to sugar 
and in the wort, will that affect how they? Well, if you're if you're raising your mash temperature by like direct fire on the mash tun, yeah, it's direct fire. Well, then what you're probably getting is some melanoid formation, you know, locally on the uh, on the you know the 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 heat to sugar interface there. Okay. And it's not really a process of the conversion. So uh, what I do is I recirculate through a heat exchanger, and I I don't no direct apply heat. yeah no direct heat. Okay. And so uh, you know I don't get that. Okay. And so the malt maltiness, the malt character, the you know the flavors, the bready, the uh, biscuity, the toasty, all that stuff remain the same. Okay. And it's really just an effect on. Uh, you know, the, the, the types of sugars, uh, you know, the, the length of the sugars, mm-hmm. uh, more than anything else. Interesting. Well, do we have any questions from the chat or? We do. A couple of things came through. They were asking, uh, if wood aging would benefit a beer like this. Well, uh, you can. I, you know, and I guess the question is, what is the benefit? Uh, if you, if you prefer some wood character and a little bit of oxidation, then, uh, yeah, you know, you could put it in a barrel or something like that. Or, uh, if you want to adjust the wood flavor, you could add some chips. A little bit of the tannins tends to balance some of the sweetness, but it's a dry beer to start with. Right. And I think if you added a bit too much, uh, you add some tannins to it, it would be really like puckering dry. Yeah. So I, I tend to think not. Okay. Unless it finishes really sweet. And someone had asked about uh, White Labs 510 yeast. Do you know which one that is? The Bestone? Yeah. <laughs> That's what <laughs> it is. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do I get points for that? You Jeopardy? Win a Jeopardy? Yes. I'll have to give you some. You get a hat. Uh, what about it? Uh, Can you would it, it would it be uh, good to use with this beer? I I think you could, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, almost almost all the Belgian yeasts you can use them almost interchangeably. Okay, but if you're trying to clone the the Duvel, then you got to go with the 570 or the uh, Y yeast 1388. Okay, and that was it from the chat. Yeah, I think Stone uses Bastone a lot on their Belgians. Ah, uh, yeah. It's yeah. like a, they've started. This, I've noticed a lot of homebrewers like I need this Bastone yeast. Like they're just like it's funny how yeast become like. Mm-hmm. Like just a hot commodity, you're all of a sudden like, hey, you got some of that pistone, you know? Or I don't know. It's just funny how homebrewers kind of fluctuate between yeast every year. You know, mm-hmm. you were Bach for three or four years. Now you're getting back to Southern right. German lo- or German lager. Just, Maybe it has to do with our troops that fought in the Ardennes and uh, you know the Bastogne yeast. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> totally over my head on that one. I have one last minute question that just came through here. Uh-huh. Uh, how much sugar is in the recipe? So in this case, uh, three pounds or 1.36 kilograms. So for the extract batch, it's about 26%. I think uh, anywhere from 20 to 30% is about right. Okay. There you go. Have you, okay. Have you ever had Prankster from the North Coast? Yes. I don't recall that beer being really pale. It was almost kind of right. blondish copper. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I saw in the guy. Yeah, no, North Coast tends to push everything a little darker than right. than a really you know than the classic examples. Which and nothing wrong with that. I mean, great brewery. But if you're if you're matching it up against a classic example, they tend to hmm. to be a little too caramelly and 
dark and stuff like that. And then, again, this is a beer, you know, no caramel, no crystal malts. It's it's Pilsner and sugar. That's it. And this is, you know, this is the way it's done, and it needs to finish dry. Right. If you're looking for the, you know, most classic of classic examples that's been around for, you know, a good long time, this is it. That's it. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the beers, um, you know, somebody asked me about, uh, Southern English Brown or something like that, how it was, um, you know, they compared it to, you know, some commercial example recipe, you know, for he calls the brewery and, uh, you know, he finds out, you know, what they're using and he's like, okay, they're using like, you know, pale malt, caramel coloring and <laughs> sugar. Yeah. And, you know, and you're using like, you know, five different kinds of malt. It's like, well, yeah, you know, part of it is, um, you know, if you taste that beer from England, it doesn't seem like the recipe that they're giving. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Sure. The second thing is, I like mine a little bit bolder, a little bit more flavorful, a little bit richer. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of pushing the, the boundaries on that, which is fine. But, uh, you know, there are certain beers where, you just can't do that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's too well known. Right. You know, you can't change is, something that's perfect. It's too well known. Right. Uh, you know, certain, uh, you know, uh, uh, other beers, you know, too well known. And if you're trying to oh, really. Raquel. Yeah. If you're trying to yeah. do kind of a copy of that, which was what a lot of people expect, not that you have to do that. Sure. In order to brew to the, within the style. It's just that, um, well, you know, you just can't get away with with being, you know, more creative on those. Yeah, don't add roasted barley. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, don't don't be adding any roasted barley or crystal malt to this. Or it just won't fit. <laughs> All right, let me kind of recap this recipe. So you're starting uh, gravity at ten seventy two, finishing gravity ten oh seven. Again, you want about. 89-90% attenuations think I'll finish out dry. 32 IBUs. You are going to go with, a, as an extract brewer, a liquid malt extract, Pilsner malt, 8.4 pounds or 3.8 kilograms. And then the rest is simple table sugar. You're going to use 3 pounds or 1.36 kilograms. If you're an all-grain brewer, sub out uh, 11 pounds or 5 kilograms of a continental Pilsner malt instead of the uh, Pilsner extract. Mash at 149 degrees Fahrenheit or 65 degrees C. And uh, uh, hop with uh, Chexas, 3.5% alpha acid, 90 minutes, 2 and a quarter ounces or 64 grams to give you about 32 IBUs according to the Rager formula. You're going to ferment this with a White Labs WLP 570 Belgian Golden Ale or the Y-East 1388 Belgian Strong Ale. Ferment, start out at uh, 64 degrees Fahrenheit, 18 degrees C. Let it ramp up over the course of a week to 82 degrees Fahrenheit or 28 degrees C. And uh, carbonate to about four volumes. You know, what's interesting is somebody pointed out, actually, the first typo in the book. And it's in this style. No, it oh. isn't. It's in the uh, Belgian Strong Dark. Oh, yeah? What's the typo? Here, I'll run over time here. There you go. Justin's got his finger on the button. i got to hurry. Um, it's the uh, Belgian Strong Dark. And uh, the interesting thing is, on the yeast, it says White Labs WLP 530 Abbey Ale 4. Okay, 530 is Abbey Ale. Right. And then there's 540 is Abbey Ale 4. Okay. 
So you did 530 Abbey of... I want my money back. Yeah. Right. So refund. <laughs> the the interesting thing is I've actually done this with um, five thirty, five forty, and five fifty. Okay, okay, and you can use any of those. It's okay. And actually, five thirty and five forty are fairly interchangeable. One tends to be a little more fruity than the other, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, you flip a coin, use either one, it'll be fine, and, and and it'll be fine. Yeah. So I kind of got lucky on that one. <laughs> and uh, five fifty tends to be a little drier. So if you're making that beer bigger. And, uh, you know, you need it to attenuate more, you go with the 550. There you go. And so, uh, yeah. It's funny. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Guy pointed it out to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, see, typo. <laughs> One more last minute question coming uh-huh. through here. Uh-huh. Uh, do we need to age this beer? Yes. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is the more you want it to taste like a example of Duvel you get here, the longer you age that thing, because that's how we get our beers. Sure. Here. So, you know, they tend to be a little bit, bit more aged. So uh, you can, and, and it'll do well over time. And I think, you know, just like you can keep a bottle of Duvel around for a while and, you know, enjoy it as it changes character over time, uh, same thing on this. Okay. So it's interesting to try it early and then try it after six months or a year and see see how, how different it is. Is this beer, would you recommend like a bottle conditioning in at all, just for aging purposes or? Yeah, you can. Okay. You can. I, I don't, but uh, you certainly can. Okay. Uh, I think, uh, it certainly doesn't hurt. Cool. Okay. I guess Good that's show. it. Next show coming up, uh, would be, uh, Munich Dunkel, which mm. is absolutely one of my favorites. And then the show after that is going to be Northern English Brown. So we're going to nice. do those live in about a month. And then, uh, you know, if you're listening on the archives, it's God knows what time. I'm going to bring you some samples. I've got two of those beers. All right. Want some feedback? Cool. Yeah. All right. I think it was a good show, John. Cheers. We uh, did did this one justice. Yeah. Happy holidays and happy new year. Hey, happy new year to all those people. (laughs) Woohoo! Bruce Stroud. Bruce Stroud.